Hello, and welcome to the Tony Awards. Tony with an I. The podcast where we go through the entire filmography of Tony Collette. I'm Sam. I'm Jake. And joining us today, we have two very special guests, Ms. Laura Murley. Hi. And Ms. Gigi Guarino, who is not here yet, but she'll pop in at some point in the middle. And today we are discussing uh, the film The Dead Girl, released in 2006, written and directed by Karen Moncrief, which, can I just say, was the first uh, good sign... We love female filmmakers here. True. And it's a movie that um, takes place over the course of five stories surrounding a young woman's death and all the people linked to her murder. So uh, the first story is about Toni Collette. Mm. Uh, She plays a very Muriel-esque character. Oh, interesting take. She did you not think that she was wait Laura have Who you seen Muriel's Mariel? wedding no oh it's like the first film that Tony Collette ever did and it's like a cult classic well, but I guess it's just because that's like a comedy yeah and so I wasn't in a Muriel headspace basically she just plays in that movie like an awkward weirdo uh, mm, definitely awkward and weird in this one yeah well, like and I discussed last week she has like either like detective professional Tony mode or she's like completely weird and creepy yeah either, one of the two that is true. I wrote down that she's very good at playing uh, like high and low status characters because mm-hmm. in this movie she's kind of um, kind of under the control of her mother, played oh, by very Piper much Laurie. So. Yeah, Oof. who's a- extremely emotionally abusive. Tony shows up with makeup at one point, um, and Piper Laurie calls her a whore and throws milk at her. Mm. In true Piper Laurie fashion. In true Piper Laurie fashion. Uh, and Tony finds the body of the dead girl. Hashtag the dead girl. Hashtag the dead girl. <clears throat> and makes a real weird choice in that moment. She steals the dead girl's <laughs> necklace before calling the police and just keeps it. Do we want to real quick summarize each like yes. story and okay. then go back? Yeah. Okay. Cool. So Tony's story is she finds the dead girl's body. She calls 911. Uh, she becomes a minor celebrity in the face of the news. Uh, As you do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and a grocery store clerk uh, asks her out because of this, because he's a true crime aficionado. And it's kind of hinted that he might be the killer, but then right. he's not. He just wants to have sex with Tony Collette. Uh, the next story is about the coroner who... Um, I don't know what it's called. Examines like the dead girl's body. Something? Yeah, who like does the autopsy. And she thinks that she may be um, her own sister who went missing like 15 yeah. years ago. And she goes and she submits her dental records to be compared to those of her sisters. And it ends up not being a match. Even though they have a similar birthmark. They have a similar birthmark, yeah. Which is never explained, but I yeah. guess it's just a coincidence. Yeah, it's just a coincidence. Then um, it's the story of the wife of the guy who killed her. This bitch, yeah. This bitch, they're, the they're two the old people, and it's her God. finding out that her husband is a serial killer. That was, a, that was interesting. That, sure. was, that was a strange one. Then it's the story of the dead girl's mother, played by Marcia Gay Harden, who goes to collect her daughter's body from the morgue. Uh, meets her daughter's roommate and finds out that her daughter, who had been estranged from her for years, also had a daughter, uh, and she goes and gets that baby. Mm-hmm. And then it's the story of how this girl, played by Brittany Murphy, died. 
Yeah. So we can go through each story <laughs> chronologically if we like. Um, There's a it's a pretty in- intense cast as well. So intense. Yeah. I read <clears throat> that part of the reason why they were able to get such big name actors was because each story only lasts like 20 right. minutes. They probably only needed like a week or two of shooting exactly. for each one. Yeah, yeah, I was very surprised that Brittany Murphy does not, who is the dead girl doesn't come into the film. Until until the last twenty minutes. I, yeah, yeah. I didn't know about the cast besides Tony before watching it, but I um, it was like yeah, she's like the final beat of it. It was pretty yeah intense. Uh, so what did we Googling all the dead girl? Sorry, it's okay. Um, <laughs> so what did we all think of uh, the Tony story? Well, I was like sad that it was over. In a way. I mean, it was super weird. Like, I'm kind of glad that there wasn't more explored because, well, I took a note. So this is Tony's, like, third extremely intensely disturbing film in a row. <laughs> um, I actually don't know. I guess Like Minds was more disturbing than this. I would argue that out of the n- night listener, Like Minds, and The Dead Girl, this movie was the only one that was effective <laughs> or in which way? Um, I well, I say effective, but what I really mean is good. <laughs> I mean, I actually like the Night Listener way more in retrospect. Really? Yeah, I don't know why I can't stop thinking about it, but it's, I do. It's because I'm a woman and you're gay. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> but I like this movie. It wasn't a bad movie at all. I, I adored this movie. The structure was in- interesting, but it was super short. I'm glad it wasn't longer, though. Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. But basically, by the time you realize it's an anthology, it's almost over. Yeah. I had mixed feelings about this movie because I thought it was well acted and there were parts that are were inarguably effective, but it gave me intense anxiety in a lot of places where I wasn't really? entirely sure if it was intended to do that or not because... I would say every main male character comes across as a major sex offender. Oh, even yeah. <laughs> even yeah. there's obviously the serial killer who is that, but even the ones that are supposed to be sweet stories, like James Franco made me very wow. anxious. Oh, James Franco. Franco. Did he make you anxious because he's James Franco? Because that's I what think I felt. I think it was a little yeah. bit that, but it was also, if we can jump ahead for just one second, sure. and then I'll go back to the Tony Collette thing. You know what, can I so, just say, yes. with regard to this podcast in general, I'm done discussing movies chronologically. Yeah, I don't even. It? I don't even want to pretend. So, well, Laura, I just go, wanna, go Yeah, forward. we've done a little recap, and then we've after done, the recap, you should all be go, caught up. Also, the movie is free to watch on YouTube. Literally, if you Spanish don't mind Spanish subtitles. And, which and were strange, great. What was that, German? Like, interludes? What that did they was, say? um, that, that I think was part of the movie. Yeah, but they weren't supposed to be German. Really? No, they were supposed to be English, but it was like a German oh. edition of the movie. The, the like chapter titles are all in German. Mm. Yeah, and that's why I was I wonder what they say. Me too. I wonder because that it, too. I knew that it was not part of the movie because the credits had like direct like music. Oh, yeah. that's weird. Okay, well wait, Laura, yeah, continue with your point okay. about the male characters being sex offenders. Okay, James Franco. Um, I would say moderate seemingly sex offender in this story in, yeah. in comparison to the other ones who but we can say is uh he asks out the coroner having worked yeah. who is rose burn who's mm-hmm. rose burn having worked with her for a while she's like there's 
there's a lot of like men overstepping women's boundaries in yes. this movie. Like, go on. Yeah. So he she agrees to go to this party with him. And they get there, and he goes, I've been asking you to go to my parties for three years. What made you finally come oh is God. one of his initial lines. Dude, why are you asking for three years, and then why are you being weird about it? Yeah. And then he continues to be a bit creepy. Yeah. And then there's this moment where they're doing something along the lines of slow dancing. Not entirely sure if that's what it was supposed to be, but they're like... Yeah. Facing each other, kind of swaying. He's holding her elbows and he goes, I am afraid if I let go of you, you'll run away. <gasps> oh my God. And I was I like, honestly Ugh. didn't notice that part. Ooh. I was that probably you said you have excellent eating posture? chicken. Yeah. Oh, that was around oh, the time. That was another yeah. part that I was like, the posture oh, thing. Dude, that's not a good compliment. That's yeah. a creepy compliment. And then after she says, he says the run away thing, she goes, then don't let go of me. And then, like, they make out and, and, and get it on. But it, it just, it, his whole, like, flirting thing didn't work for me. I mean, maybe the, her whole thing is she has, like, self-isolated herself for a really long time and then suddenly feels free when she thinks they found her sister's body finally. So maybe this is just her character doesn't really have any sort of, standards at that point and is just yeah. like hopping on it but it, it made me very nervous <laughs> yeah i was scared for her for a little bit that it was going to turn into like him right i mean retrospectively i feel like that scene mostly feels uncomfortable because the movie itself is so disturbing up to that point mm. but there oh, isn't yeah. it's not helped by any no <laughs> Plus, in a sense there is this sense of like like this movie is about a dead girl like Rose Byrne's whole storyline is that her sister went missing years ago and her right. parents refused to accept the the yeah. the possibility that she may be dead why is James Franco reciting all of these lines from like teen rom-coms of the 80s right. like it feels like if this movie had been made in the 80s he would have been played by Anthony Michael Hall <laughs> I felt weird about um what was I gonna say I felt weird about like I just thought it was an interesting plot point that she, like, her sister is missing for years and she's most likely dead. And this girl's job is to, like, do autopsies on, like, criminally found bodies. On, like, Jane and John Joe's, yeah. It's like, um, there's something to unpack there, I feel like. That's yeah. true. And that's never really, like, explored Isn't that a fully. conflict I mean, of interest a little bit? I don't know. There's no I open, know. I guess there's not really an open investigation yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a headline that said police like stopped looking. Right, and she's like, the mom played by Mary Steenburgen. So good. Also. I know. Mm. She, yeah, um, she did give a very good performance. I will say. She's really funny too. She's on Thirty Rock. <laughs> she's uh, like Baldwin's mother-in-law. Who he I watched with. some of this movie with um, past guest Andrew Lazan and when Mary Steenburgen came on screen he asked me if it was Susan Sarandon and I kicked him <laughs> out of my house on, please he said you have oh, to go she's also in uh, Orange is the New Black I think is she I in just know her similar... as the mom from Elf oh, me too I don't care for Elf that was my Neither introduction do I, to her but I never finished it did no but did you have that experience in like all of middle school where the day before winter break yes Every teacher would play the first 40 minutes yeah. of Elf in every class. Yep. Yep. 
Yep. I've seen the first half hour of Elf more times than I've seen. I wonder if they still do that. Anything. Is well, there like a new Christmas movie? I don't that know. Probably not. Science teachers and stuff show their kids. But like I think that. the beginning is so good, and then I think it goes. I don't yeah, like I've the ending of the Elf. First Forty minutes. I don't really like Will Ferrell that much. Oops. <laughs> that I think is a big prerequisite to liking Elf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Don't come for me. Don't like Elf. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> so we really reveal all of our offensive opinions on this podcast. I'm so sorry mom, if the PC police isn't okay it. with us not. She does. Elf. She listens. She listens, and she's always like, "Why didn't you know Rachel Griffiths was on Six Feet Under and stuff like that?" <laughs> <laughs> um, I like how um. My my very first note on this movie is opens on Tony eating a sandwich by mm. the tree from Lion King. Mm. Uh, Watching a crow. Circled by crows because she's dying in this tiny good for nothing town. And there's but like then this it's intense like, guitar strumming happening. Yeah. But but then it's like, oh wait, the crows are there because there's a dead body. Yeah, and then she can't finish her Sammy. Yeah. <laughs> I know, that was so weird. There's so many plastic bags in this movie. Did anyone oh, notice that? Yeah, and I was kind of expecting the sandwich bag to be, like I was thinking it might be like drugs or something, but mm-hmm. it was just a sandwich. I wonder if it was like the whole like bodies thing, like bodies and bags. The wasn't that great. There's a, mm-hmm. yeah, there's like a sterility to it almost. To the plastic bags. <laughs> so yeah, she finds this dead girl and I'm like, it's classic Tony movie. Um, cause she's like, with this morbid, gross. She's usually like a bystander to something morbid and gross, and that's just her career brand at this point. Um, and then, of course, um, her mother, Piper Laurie, Sam and I have a special affinity for. As you've been listening to this podcast, you might have heard us talk about Carrie uh, once. Have or, we talked about Carrie oh, on the podcast? We've talked about Carrie at least five times. Oh, okay. <laughs> a little bit earlier, I think, but... Um, I had never seen her in another role besides Carrie, and she played the same role. The same exact oh, role. Yeah. I didn't realize it was the same woman, oh, but that voice, absolutely, is yeah, unmistakable. When she like Tony Collette comes out, I filmed it. I you filmed it and you sent it to me as soon as it happened. I was like, "What did she say?" I was like, "This movie was made for us." Yeah, she throws she, milk she, in her face. She's and goes, just like, "You look like a whore." <laughs> <laughs> and then I know she, she cackles. Like, cackles. She's like, what do you think now, Miss America? <laughs> and like throws milk in her face because she's like wearing makeup because she's going on a date with creepy with this creepy grocery store guy who Frank Buffet uh, ungodly he's, scary uh, Phoebe's younger brother on uh, Friends who oh. she has the babies for, but he's like older now. This and entire th- this ent- for that entire thing, I kept being like, I I had a line that was like grocery shop guy is weirdly sexy question mark because I thought that we were supposed to think that he was creepy but then I was like wait I think we're supposed to like him see that's part of like what upset me about this because he is so so scary and creepy but like there's points of it where I'm like I think they want us to like him and that made me anxious more like Especially the initial shots of him were, like, kind of sexy. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he was supposed to be off-putting entirely, but they were both so fucked up and creepy. Nothing nothing turns me on more than a guy saying, he's not going to hurt me, which is one of the first things he says to her. Mm. Except if you read... what, if, if you read Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker, uh, 
one of the first things that he says in that is that if somebody says they're not going to hurt you, it means they're going to hurt you. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And he says, I'm not going to hurt you after he follows her into the parking lot Wait. after she doesn't want him she doesn't to. Want... Welcome. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the Take podcast. a seat. Take a seat. This is this microphone is yours. Gigi Guarino has joined the pod. Oh. Uh, I just notes. yay. <laughs> um, we're talking about that uh, grocery store clerk that Tony goes on a date with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you, me, think um, what did you think about him? Really rapey vibes at first. But oh then yeah. I liked him at the end. Yeah, he had a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. Of, uh, there, there was, was like a role reversal. In there. A way. There yeah. was this weird moment oh, where. You can put your headphones on, Gigi. Yeah, it'll so probably be easier. To oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so there is this weird uh, moment where they go out into, like, the woods. And oh, wait. Can I just say before that happens, yes. he follows her out into the parking lot to ask her out. She's not interested. He She opens the car door to get inside. <gasps> he blocks the oh, car yes. door to stop her from closing <sighs> it and reiterates again that he wants to see her. Um, does not let her leave. So... I would say that uh, regardless of her being creepy to him later on, sure. I don't think he is yeah. not it creepy. <laughs> no, of course he's creepy. Also, yeah. her being creepy to him is just her asking to get tied up during sex. Yes. Like, that's well, not on the same level as coercing someone into so going we, on a date with you. So later on, they yeah. go to the woods, and she oh. takes off his belt and is like, tie me up. Uh, the which, way she does those line readings. Okay, yeah. can I just say, okay, if any of my parents or family members are listening, please stop right now. But <laughs> it's gonna get real. Mom? This what de- about my mom. Your mom can listen. Um, this movie's depiction of bondage is so true to life. <laughs> I feel like so often I have completely dissociated and thought myself unworthy of love and was like, I guess it's time to have sex with someone who will behave violently towards me. Oh my, <laughs> oh my goodness. Like, especially the, the scene before she goes out with her mother calling her a whore and oh. stuff. That's just my internal monologue before I go on any date. And then she like won't look at him. Do you him. throw milk in your face? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I look at myself in the mirror while I do it. I bring it into the bathroom <laughs> and it like really upsets my roommates. They're like, I need to use the bathroom. But so uh, uh, yeah, Gigi, what did you think of the Tony Collette storyline in this? I thought the scene with Tony and the cashier guy. Her dialogue was great. I wrote down this one part where she's like, after she takes the gloves off and she has the cuts on her hands, she's mm-hmm. like, doesn't really hurt. Not when you're kissing me. Oh, I like, know. She, like, <laughs> Wait, I had a question. So, are those self-inflicted wounds, or did no? She... Those are uh, those are uh, when she like broke the glass and held it to her oh. mom's throat. Right. Because okay, I'm that like was kind of off screen, and then she like started. I think she stabbed her mom. Right? She kind of yeah, maybe like a little bit. I wasn't completely. Well, because sure. she goes away and she starts. She's like running away basically, and then you hear her Piper Laurie in the background well, going, "There's blood." Yeah. To be completely <laughs> honest, like okay, I'm about to be a psycho freak. I love that. If if Margaret White is Ugh. able to speak after having held glass held up to her throat, like she's fucking fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's yeah, true. Like it if didn't Tony, cut the cords. Yeah, if it if she had cut the carotid artery, then she then blood would be squirting everywhere and she'd be dead within 30 well, seconds. Well, maybe it's Tony's blood that's on her. It might be Tony's blood, yeah. Have you seen Carrie, Gigi? Mm-hmm. You know it's the same. Okay. It's the mom from Carrie. Oh, no, I didn't Tony's know that. Mom oh, I didn't God. know that either. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I really liked Tony's storyline. I just wanted more, though, because there's all this, like, background of the mom being like, I'm going to tell them what you did and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, did she kill the girls? Like, right. what is going on here? Oh, yeah. She never explained She's their like, backstory. She's like, you're going to get arrested or I'm going to tell them. I think that that's after. Uh, it, it's after she, like, holds the glass to her mom's throat. Oh, so I think that okay. she's just saying, like, I'm going to say that you assaulted me. No, she says, remember, because she has this dialogue, like, it's not explained ever later, but she's like. I wish that it had been you instead of him, like about her brother. You have the best Piper Laurie. No, this is the first time I'm like doing it, doing it. Yeah. Like, we we talk about it. Yeah. Carrie is me and we, Sam and I watch Carrie every Halloween mm-hmm. season, and this year was no different. There was a time in our lives where we would like lip sync to um, the the song that Carrie and her mom sing in the Carrie musical. Sure. Mm-hmm. When Eve and, was weak. Yeah. Also, we that's our like kind of relationship. That's our dynamic. Is mother, uh, emotionally abusive, abusive mother, mother daughter. daughter. Which is um, who is who? Uh, well, I'm the mother because also <laughs> we 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 used to perform this. Well, I'm not emotionally abusive to you though. No, this is our like roles yeah. for like to put on a show for for other when people. we're yeah for when we're <laughs> when we're like mildly intoxicated but not enough to actually for be doing when this. we were like 18 years old yeah. and drunk and lip syncing to Mother Knows Best from, from Tangled. Tangled yeah. <laughs> when I think of Carrie, I think of soft pillows. Me too. <gasps> dirty pillows. Yeah. Dirty pillows. Yes. Like, I can see your dirty pillows. <laughs> yeah. That that line would have been really good in this movie as oh, well. She played yeah. the same role. Do you yeah. think she worked in between the movies and then, like, thirty <laughs> years later, this director Karen Moncrief was like, "Hey, um, are you free to play this role again?" Yeah. Who Just by, for five who, minutes. By the way, like after watching this movie, I would follow Karen Moncrief to the ends of the earth. So like, what else is she, is she on done? Twitter? Basically, okay, so I read this article. Uh, it was called, I wrote it down because I needed to, uh, I, I needed to like credit it. It's called The Trouble with Getting Seen, The Mismarketing mm. of the Films by Karen Moncrief by Steven Sato. And it's basically about how Karen Moncrief kept making all these like good movies that would just um, get like picked up by much smaller film distributors that would release it with virtually no press or marketing at all whatsoever and then like this like the dead girl only made like nineteen thousand dollars total because they gave it a limited release Mm. and then it didn't make enough money during the limited release because they did it at a time when ad spots got more expensive because it was like around it got released on like New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. so at so ad time was much more expensive around that time. Right. So they legit didn't have any money to promote oh. it. Did you guys already talk about the star-studded cast? Because uh, I feel like bit, when yeah. I was watching bit. it, I just was like, James Franco, <laughs> Minka Kelly, is Carrie Minka Kelly Washington? In this? Yeah, she's like James Franco's like romantic interest. Or oh no, that's Rose Byrne. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't From know Bridesmaids. She's oh, the uh, she's the, the like one. new they friend look alike, from right? Bridesmades. Do they yeah. look alike? They look Kelly alike. Is. She was on Parenthood. Minka yes. Kelly was. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then. And they all look like Leighton Meester too. Minka, Carrie Washington <laughs> was a Kelly looks like for me because I realized oh, yeah. it was for like ten minutes after. Yeah, I, I didn't realize at first either. Yeah, me too. Because to her voice sounded different, maybe because it's like old, like older movie too, and she's playing. A well, they character. said that she. Uh, I read a little bit about the movie, and they said that it was like originally intended for a Latina actress. So she right. like did a accent. Yeah, that was that. somebody from that. But that was that for me I too, thought, yeah. I thought upon Carrie like Washington's introduction, I was like, wait, is this movie racist? Yeah, I was thinking that too cuz like I thought she did a good job 
with the acting portion, but the accent was a little bit the accent was iffy weird. for me. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you can't yeah. blame Carrie for that. I don't think. She no, I don't think it was Carrie's fault. <laughs> I don't. Well, it's also like I feel like I've only ever seen her on Scandal, and she most definitely uses a lower register in her voice than she is in this movie. So yeah, it also came out a couple years ago where. I don't remember when it came out exactly, but where people were less conscious of like talking in certain stereotypical oh, accents. Sure. <laughs> Especially oh, yeah. this is like the mid two thousands. Like, yeah. oh my god, like nobody was uh, woke. Or stuff. <laughs> oh I could god. totally tell it was mid two thousands just by the character that James Franco played and how he acted in that mm-hmm. little romantic little scene yeah. on the swings. Oh Why does every movie like think if we're gonna have a talk about? our relationship or whatever or like that we like each other let's put them on some swings yeah. like how many houses have swings i mean to be fair i've had a few romantic conversations on swings really in my life. Yeah. i feel like i'm, I'm, I'm missing out then <laughs> oh, yeah i've never, only been on swings never. when i'm a kid well you know? there's yeah. not a lot in new york um last time i had a romantic conversation on a swing i was like 17 years old well there you go you've had um, one but I actually don't think that it was romantic. I think that I was just on a swing with a boy that I liked. And I was like, is this romantic because we like each other? And it was like, no, we were talking about like Spider-Man. But when you swing in unison, you're married. Yes. Mm. That's common so, law. That's common Oh, law. I didn't know that. How many yeah. times have you been married? Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't know. So um, many times. Which, uh, which character do we all relate to the most? Because uh, the whole movie? I don't relate to the grocery store clerk in general, but in the car when he's talking about uh, the 405 killer, I was like, that's me. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, nowadays, talking about true crime is normal is like a pickup. But he also kind of did it in a creepy way. Like, there's sure. a way to talk yeah. about true crime. Like, oh, my God. Like, did you hear this? This is, like, wild. Um, and, like... It's obvious that you're not wanting to do it, he but the it way like he's he trying was, to impress her, turn her on. for me, the way that he that it came off to me was that he was like super interested in the details because he either did it and was proud of it or he wanted to do it oh, and yeah. like wanted to know the specifics. I feel like there's a difference between talking about true crime sure. and being like, and this is why the police weren't able to catch him, blah, 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 and between being like, this is what those cuts on her hand meant. And, oh, because he's just yeah. casually being like, you know, like when after they have sex, he's like, she's literally laying out naked, like splayed out. And he goes, The return you know, of Tony Collette's boobs. Uh, every every single time. Um, <laughs> but he's like, you know, and this is a really fucked up line that he kind of says off screen, but it's like, you know, since, uh, when some serial killers can't get it up, they uh, use <gasps> bottles, yeah. Virgin Marys. I didn't get that though. Where like, do they add put to the penetrate? The other person. Yeah. Yeah. Like serial some oh. serial killers do Great. that. So but, like they don't even want to have sex. Then they just well want, they they, they, they just want to cause pain. Like, they want to cause pain. Ew. Yeah. Well then and then and then Tony Collette's just like laying out and goes, I don't want to talk about serial killers anymore. <laughs> and a single tear falls down her cheek. <laughs> and that's the last time we see her. Yeah. Well, and another then disturbing. she calls nine one one and oh. says and says there's a woman whose daughter left her alone. And then for some reason doesn't give her address. She goes, it's the house of the girl who found that dead body. Yeah, yeah. that that when you guys were ta- talking about like favorite Tony moment, I was like, I think that might be oh. mine because that line is insane. Don't yeah, save it for later. Oh no. We okay. Have words it's at the end. Wait, but I actually um, so explain to me what happened in that scene because I truly um, in the nine one one scene. Yeah, because 
I didn't realize it was an anthology yet, and so I didn't realize that was my uh, last time with Tony. It's basically <laughs> what does anthology mean, real quick? Oh, it just means that it's um a bun. I don't even know if this would be classified as an anthology like because the stories are all connected. Epis- it's episodic. It's episodic. Yeah. Okay. So it's like yeah. they're uh, they're related, but they're not like the same story. Yeah, but like, like interconnected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so she calls the police she on calls, who? She calls 911 because the whole thing is that she's had to take care of her mom because um, according to Wikipedia, she's an invalid. Uh, she well, can't take yeah. care of herself. So basically it's like if she leaves her mom alone and doesn't go back, then her mom will die without any future assistance. Right. So she calls 911 implying that she's never going to go back to her oh, house. Oh, okay, okay. I thought she was calling the cops on like the guy. Oh, no. No. Okay. She still wants her mom to be alive, but just she not She just doesn't her. want to be around her. her. Yeah. What do you guys think about... I noticed, like, a parallel between Tony Collette's mom yelling at her and saying that she looks like a prostitute and a whore, and then the last story being about prostitutes, mm. and oh. it all relating back to, like, the girls that were killed and stuff. And I felt like there was, a, like, an underlying theme of, like, sexual trauma yeah i I definitely saw like from the beginning of the tony story there's a sort of connection between her and uh britney murphy's character yeah tony is basically like hanging on by a thread and then she finds an actually dead girl she takes the girl's necklace there is some sort of kinship between the two what does the necklace say again i forget it says taken can we talk about how creepy it is that the hair is still on it she still has it with like the dead girl's hair on it and they're yeah. like, oh, the hair's oh, yeah. on it. And she yeah, doesn't take gross. it off either. Like, she shows the guy the necklace with the hair still on like, it. They're, yeah. like, they're both like, oh, cool. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> okay, I was also really disturbed when they're sitting down in the park, I suppose, which, like, seemed like, still couldn't tell if he was going to kill her or not. Sure. And then yeah. he just, like kisses her even though she doesn't want to at that time and doesn't kiss back and then he's like he just gets angry that she didn't kiss him back and is like i'm gonna kiss you again and and you're gonna hold still yeah exactly and like he just keeps forcing himself on her until she like relents basically this honest to god like i wrote down that tony's experience with this guy is almost is so so similar to my own first sexual experience <laughs> so i feel like i don't know how much of this is me projecting or um me like reading into what uh the filmmaker intended i feel like what we're supposed to read it as is like she devalues herself uh-huh. to the point that she feels like it would be i guess somehow embarrassing to participate in sexual activity mm. even if she wants it but if it happens uh-huh. to her she loses some sort of culpability like if it's something that happens to her she's not a whore mm. so okay, it's like yeah. she so she says like there's a line where he says like you don't want to kiss me and she says no and he says do you want me to kiss you and she says yes mm-hmm. it's this thing where she doesn't want to be like a part of it because of some sort of guilt or mm-hmm. some sort of feeling that she's not worthy but she wants it to happen in general uh-huh. but also like that's not a place that you can be at in your life and be having healthy sexual experiences no, no. like it's not and it blurs the lines a lot between like is this coercion? Is it consensual? Because while it may be like, like for me, it was like, while it was consensual for me, like it was traumatic to a point, 
because I wasn't ready to like trust the other person on any level because I was putting him in a situation not putting him in a situation but like I don't I I don't I don't want to use any like victim blaming language even though I'm not like a victim of sexual assault or anything like that uh but I was not in a headspace Mm to consent to the things that I was consenting to if that makes sense Mm -hmm. like I just wasn't ready and I and I bit off more than I could chew in a sense Mm -hmm. and I kind of feel like that's what's happening with Tony in this movie but also I might just be making it about me and who knows well that's (laughs) what you're supposed to do with movies totally well what I was projecting based on (laughs) my sort of different life is that (laughs) when she when um she doesn't kiss him back and he's mad and he's like um do you want to kiss me and she's like no and then he's like do you want me to kiss you and she says yes what I was projecting onto that is like when you don't want to do something but it's really really hard to say no and then you said no once and then you feel so guilty about having said no to someone that you just like are willing to give them something else just because you're like you try okay. to compromise, even, yeah. even though the compromise isn't, like, a real compromise. Yeah, it's not a real compromise because he's still taking the same thing, It's like basically. he gets what he wants and she gets what she doesn't want. Like, that's yes. not a compromise. <laughs> right. That's that's just him wearing her down. Yes, yeah. I, I read somewhere, so... Um, I've I've never been to a sex party, but I'm very curious about them. And I read this like <laughs> do's and don'ts of sex parties, which I think is really interesting for this discussion. Because one of them was like, you can, for consent, you to make everyone feel comfortable, like you can go up to anyone and ask them if they want to engage in a particular act with you. If they say no, you cannot ask them to engage in a lesser act, which I'm like... That's so That's, fucking cool. Yeah, and they were like, you have to see if they ask, if they ask, if they're like, no, you can't do this, but you can do this. That's great. Yeah. If they don't offer anything else, just walk away. Do some cool, like, do something else with someone else. Yeah. Which I was like, That's so cool because, also, like, I'm no like, uh, super smart person either. Like, if the, I might also think like oh, well, they don't want to do this. Maybe they want to do that. But it's like, yeah, it does put you in a weird position where you could potentially say yes to something just because you feel bad, kind of, or guilty. Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And also there's a moment later on where, like, she asks him to tie her up and, like, and, and, and and he's fucking her and she's kind of just laying there and he gets mad and he's like, it's like you want me to rape you or something. And it's like, oh, yeah, what could have possibly led Tony Collette to think that you would rape her? Maybe it <laughs> was your behavior yeah. for this entire movie. Right. Like, well, I've definitely been in that situation of being like, I'm either going to get raped or have consensual sex. Either way, somebody's going to penetrate me. Mm. You know, like the only difference is whether or not I say I'm OK with it. Yeah, well, that was, like, the hard part for, not hard, but, like, confusing part for me. Because the whole time I was, like, this dude's trying to rape her. This guy has bad intentions. I hate him. And I think at one point I have notes, like, kill him. Can can she kill him? Like, I hope he dies. And then after he stops having sex with her and he's, like, do you want me to rape you? Blah, blah, blah. And he's, like, really upset about it. I'm, like, wow, he actually is, like 
trying to have regular sex with a girl. He just probably doesn't know how to, like, actually, like, romanticize or whatever the word is, like, a woman, you know? And, like, Tony afterwards, I feel like she wanted to because she was like, what did I do wrong? Like, I'm, oh, no, like, because he stopped. And she's like, oh, like, my hands feel better when you kiss me. And, like, she, like, wanted Uh the affection. So I was really confused there because for the longest time I was like, Tony's in distress and this guy sucks. And then it flipped and then he was in distress because he thought she didn't like him or whatever. And she wanted, like, the affection. So, yeah, like, I don't know if, if maybe he's just, like, uneducated and, like, doesn't know how to speak to women yeah it was a very well um nuanced like scene and i think that comes from just like the fact that it was written by a woman and like it was like you could definitely unpack a lot of both of their behaviors as positive and negative and like see what they were i don't know the fact that we've been talking about it for like 15 minutes and it's (laughs) it's literally only if like the first 15 minutes of this movie is tony Collette, but it's like there's so much nuance there. I know it's interesting because it didn't have to. It wasn't. It had no bearing on the rest of the, the movie really. Mm. There oh, was yeah. no similar. Like there was no analogous like scene. Yeah, to I this. kept waiting for them to that scene to come back and like right. yeah. to see like where they go on sure. their journey or like if they are somehow related to the killer in I a more they were concrete all way. Convene at the end. We can say mm. spoilers, right? Well, we've yeah, totally. Okay, cool, okay. Spoilers, well, spoilers, especially spoiler. with this because it's all just spoiler like, alert. We already Brittany like Murphy s- dies. <laughs> hey, hey, that's mean, right? But I literally she, thought the end oh of the movie. Oh my god! I meant her character. Three years later. Yeah, no, I have Brittany Murphy. But um, real quick, I just think actually maybe it did. Um, we saw another sex scene with James Franco and Rose Byrne, and she was so like into, into it, into it, but into it internal, like herself. Let's uh, talk so, about something else. Yeah, Want to so, talk about the old couple? Yeah, so oh. we, we, that's good because we actually kind of already talked about Rose Byrne and stuff before you got here. So oh, cool. yeah, I talk can about I just old... say before we move on, is it weird that um, I was just like amazed by the lighting on her back when like during the sex scene when like you Rose see Byrne's her back? like yeah, oh, yeah. her oh, back looks yeah. amazing in that shot. Oh my god! Wait, I wonder what her it... career is really doing like did before Bridesmaids because yeah. I never heard of her before. Neither had I. Well, but I thought she was Minka Kelly, so right. that shows how much I don't I know, know about who her. Minka Kelly is. <laughs> the fact I that I know her from like a scary movie. The fact that like, God, like Rose Byrne is so beautiful, and that sex scene is just her being gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Then panning to James Franco making like that fucking James Franco face. <laughs> well, this was already. I was post so mad. Spider Man, so I feel James like Franco. Was pretty big draw. James Franco is my number one enemy. <laughs> I've tweeted this many times. James Franco is free to fight me anytime he chooses. I think that he's the worst, and he's a. I. God, like, just fuck James Frank. I was so mad that he was in this movie. I know. Mm, I, like, I was disappointed when his face popped up. I was like, I texted somebody. I was like, I have to watch a James Franco movie for the Tony Collette podcast, and maybe I'll just stop doing the Tony Collette podcast. <laughs> okay, well, calling this a James Franco movie is a stretch. I know. <laughs> calling this a Tony Collette movie is a stretch. True, but I would call it more of a Tony Collette movie than a James Franco movie. That is Based true. on the first 15 minutes and just the themes. The chapter it's a is very named Tony after. Yeah. She is the person that finds the dead girl. So, yeah. I mean... Oh, wait, the chapter's named after her? It's, uh, it's called The Stranger. In German. 
Yes. You looked that up. And she's the stranger? The yeah, dead girl? Well, I the guess stranger. they're strangers to oh, each other. Oh, what are they all called? I want to know that. It's like the stranger, um, the sister. Okay. Um, that one checks I out. I don't know what the old one is called. And then it's the mother and then the dead girl. Can we talk about how clever it was that Rose Byrne finds the 1213 tattoo on the girl and she's like, oh, I'm going to Google this. And it says 1213, the Bible verse, like sister or something, something, something. And she's like, oh, my God. And And then then, (laughs) at the end, Brittany Murray's like, yeah, 1213. That's when my daughter was born. So I have a tattoo. (laughs) Yeah, I liked that a lot because I was kind of annoyed by it when it was like a Bible verse about sisters because I was like, oh, come on. Like, yeah, it she's your runaway sister she wouldn't get a tattoo of a bible verse that sisters thinking you're gonna find her corpse later yeah. but then like when it also, turned if out it was to be the bible corpse wouldn't she just write like genesis twelve thirteen? because there's so many books in the bible so yeah. yeah i wish that there was a deleted scene of her seeing the twelve thirteen of like every other book in the bible and her and being, being like, like this is the best <laughs> yeah and, and her being like Nah, this one is just about like how many shellfish. colors were on Joseph's you dream coat. Eat yeah. yeah, it just Joseph's makes me feel like, feel like conspiracy. <laughs> is that a thing in the Bible? Is his I mean, it's not coat called a actually dream coat. it's called a coat <laughs> of many colors. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a dream coat. <laughs> yeah. Really? I think it's kind of tacky. <laughs> <clears throat> but random topic switch. I just want to say about the old couple. I mean, I know like the man's the killer and everything, so he fucking is awful. But the old lady, like, parts of it, she really, I was like, do I hate her? Do I love her? Is she a badass? What? Like, when she was burning all that shit and just ripping off all her clothes and even burning every last shred of her clothes, I was like, I think I wrote. Yeah, and then she burns the evidence. Yeah. Yeah. I was like. That pissed me off so much. (laughs) That pissed me off so much because now, like, like, like like, that guy will straight up. Unless he happens to kill, like, four more women. Right. Like, which he probably will. But, like, he will never be brought to justice. Mm -hmm. Like, she is fucking up the lives of so many families. Yeah, and what I didn't understand about her whole thing is, like, I got why she was annoyed with him in the beginning. Because he's, like, being a dick. He's, like, making her do his job basically by being out all the time killing women and she doesn't know he's killing women (laughs) she thinks he's just like going bowling or something or like having an affair or something but then like when she finds out that he's out murdering women by finding a bunch of like dead people stuff in a storage locker so they own a storage locker yes they're they're in the storage storage business serial killer (laughs) ultimate so so what happens in this is they they own a storage facility. Some people come looking while he's not yeah. at work to rent a storage space. She I looks, thought they were going to kill her. Me Sorry. too. Me too. They, she looks through the books. She's like, this one is empty. Just go in there. They say, no, there's shit in there. She goes in there, finds all this evidence in that dresser, her husband yeah. killed people. Um, and then goes and like she's about to bring it to the police. But then she decides to burn the evidence yeah. instead. But, yeah. okay. So she figures out that he's the killer and when he comes home i was like i would be shitting my pants that this bitch is gonna kill me too but she just instead of like being really meek or like running away or something she picks a fight with him about how she thinks he's like cheating on her with sex workers and i was like what is she i do not understand her motivation ideas of sex workers and and then it goes back to the sex worker theme throughout the whole thing where what i think it is is that she knew that he wouldn't kill her because they don't have oh because it's not his mo relationship and so he Hmm. only kills like sexually 
Yeah, I feel like, I feel like yeah, if, I feel like if I had a boyfriend who was killing a bunch of old people, I'd be sure. like, eh, well, I'm safe. But all, <laughs> but but also no, because there's so many times when serial killers are like, well, I don't know if this actually happens. It just happens on like TV shows. But when uh, killers are like, oh, this person knows too much, I have right. to kill them. Well, I kind of uh, got the vibe though. I didn't think about it as burning the evidence, which it obviously was. But when she like took off all her own clothes. I, I kind of felt like she was leaving him. Oh, I thought that she was like staying with him and like I'm burning all the yeah. evidence to protect my man. Mm. And I was like, no, this is yeah. not the man like, you the stand by. Like the ultimate way to leave that, your husband <clears throat> is by putting him in jail. That's true. Mm. That way, that's true. Yeah. But then I don't know. She was like serving him TV dinners. And... I thought that uh... I hated that TV dinner part. That was really gross. It felt mm. like he was a man baby. Oh my yes. god! Like she's oh, just was, like though. peeling it off for him and yeah. shit. I'm like, he can fucking, fucking peel. And he's well, like, thank I you. I thought that the first scene was very Angels in America when he's like about oh, to yeah. leave and she's like, "Where are you going?" Like, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. it I also just... reminds me of like this is. 40 or 30? What's that Judd oh. Apatow? Oh, this 40. is 40. Yeah. This is 40. Yeah. Where um, his wife is just like, I want to go out. Why do you never take me out? Yeah. I oh feel like I, I was just expecting him to come back and for her to be like, I burned dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Not my dinner. I looked up your who dinner. played her and her name's Mary Beth Hurt and her Wikipedia pa- photo says, Hurt at a New York Barnes & Noble discussing audiobook narration. <laughs> <laughs> So dreams. Um, <laughs> I did like the TV dinner scene though because it had a lot of like tension for me, oh, and yeah. like okay, yeah, she's just pretending like nothing's wrong, and it's also showing that like his whole lifestyle is like a woman serving him and then him going out and That's killing so women, and yeah. that was like really interesting to me. But yeah, I just couldn't wrap my head around. I guess, like, she was, like, I'm not the same type as the ones he's murdering. But even so, like, I yeah. do think. Also, she straight up accuses him. Yeah. Of... She, she goes, she goes. the newspaper with all the missing women in the, the fake fridge. Yeah. Straight up. I was like, do you know anything about these dead women? And he's just like, no. I would rather live alone in a cave for the rest of my life than live with a serial killer that mm. kills women. Absolutely. That's like yeah. doing it all the time and I know about it and I'm basically in the murder because I burned all the evidence. Like I did. Fucking leave me alone, yeah. old man. I did. I'd rather love be alone. Some of her specific dialogue in their fight scenes. She keeps saying Mike only knows. He I know. says Mike only knows. He says, God damn it. She says, Do not take the Lord's name in vain in my house. She says, I'm stuck H-hole. here in this H hole. <laughs> and then at one point she just goes like were you out with prostitutes again? <laughs> it's like again. And then she go then she makes some mention. She goes like, "Did you stick your wet little noodle in there?" Ew, and he yeah. makes a face. She goes, "Oh, you don't like it when I talk dirty, do you?" <laughs> yeah, what a dirty, dirty girl. Like, your ooh. wet noodle. <laughs> I thought it was really funny when he came in one time and she was watching TV and there's just like a QVC commercial on and it's like roach traps. Buy two roach traps for nineteen ninety five. Regular one hundred and ten dollars. I'm like, oh my god. Roach traps. <laughs> roach really traps are expensive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's just sitting up watching roach trap commercials. I was also like, when she was burning all the shit, that type of serial killer. So they're very passionate about their trophies. Like he's saving right. them because oh, yeah. he's like, <clears throat> you he's know, gonna notice. he's gonna notice, and he's gonna be pissed. And he might 
kill her then even if it's just not like rage. yeah just out of rage even if it's not like oh i want to kill her for the sexual thing that he was killing yeah. other women well, and now for. there's no evidence to tie him to that the other ones so he mm. could kill her and hide the yeah. evidence too yeah mm. did um, they ever dive into like why he <clears throat> killed them is it just because they oh, were well, like tony's uh tony collette's weird boyfriend kind of made some predictions uh hmm said that uh, he had problems with women and he was like sexually dysfunctional mm-hmm. which is like yeah oh i really didn't like when the weird boyfriend was like oh she was well tony collette's character was like well why do you think he kills them and her weird boyfriend was like probably has problems with his mom oh my god and i was like oh don't pin this on his mom i was like, like shut there's up, a good idiot. chance she was fine and like even if she wasn't like that's not an excuse i yeah. thought she his wife was his mom though for the first few minutes because she looked a lot older than him. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah. Do we, oh go on oh sorry um i just at the end it's like he's talking to Brittany Murphy and you know that he kills her in that scene and it's not like he picked her up as a prostitute he picked her up as a hitchhiker yeah. that's right. going to like give mm-hmm. her daughter a birthday present and doesn't it end with her talking about her daughter mm-hmm. how much she loves her and like can't wait to give her this gift so sad. Like, you know there's a FedEx <laughs> so nearby sad. blah blah and it's like saying that he kills prostitutes like did he even know Brittany Murphy yeah, was yeah. a prostitute kind of like, like I don't that's know that's kind of like the final like realization is like he just no, kills women it wasn't her fault that it wasn't because she was a sex worker that got her in danger it's because yeah. she was too do we like, want to move on to the last two stories yeah mm-hmm. so the next one uh focuses on uh britney murphy's mom uh who has been estranged from her daughter for years and basically goes <clears throat> to her old apartment runs into uh her roommate played by carrie washington it's a and, motel yeah it's a motel uh, she finds out that Carrie Washington and her daughter were both sex workers together. And in love. Well, Marsha Gay Harden, the, the mom, played by Marsha Gay Harden, doesn't figure that out. That doesn't come up until later. She asks her. I think that she's, but I think that she says, like, did you love my daughter, like, in, like, a... No, I... That's I, what I thought, too. I didn't... I thought her mom was, like, ignorant of the whole relationship. No, because right yeah. after she asked her if she loved her, I wrote lesbian, question mark. Oh, because yeah. it seemed like an understanding. But it was very, yeah, it was very, like... Yeah. Underplayed. Yeah. But. Just because Carrie uh, Washington was like, I would have taken the daughter, like, if I could. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... But so Marsha Gay Harden meets Kerry Washington, and Kerry Washington basically tells her everything about what her daughter has been up to and says, like, you know, she had a daughter who she loved. Um, Can I say? No, no, wait, sorry. Uh, No, you first. Because her, Marsha Gay Harden's husband, her stepfather, was um, sexually abusing her. her, Yeah, Yeah, and that is obviously a very serious thing, but can I say the way they presented it, I laughed so hard in my apartment (laughs) because... It basically the camera is on the mom and the mom is like, did she give you any? So at this point, um, Carrie Washington just thinks the mom is a weird creep who's a friend of Britney's character who just wanted to see her bedroom. And the camera's on the mom and she's like, did you have any idea like why she would have run away from home? Why was she so unhappy? And Carrie Washington's character is like. Eh, probably just because, like, her stepdad was fucking her and the mom knew and never did anything about it. She probably liked it, you know, gave her 
less uh less fucking she had to do and the woman just like completely breaks and carrie washington's character just like doesn't realize until after she said it in the most intense (laughs) i'm not quite describing horrible insensitive way yes like so brash yeah and it's like how did you get this far into the conversation without realizing who yes wondering Based on Being her like, age and race, that it yeah, could be her. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know how funny it is that the mom goes and sits on the toilet with the door open and cries when Carrie's just in the other room, like sorry, <laughs> just, like <laughs> just doing like a tight five about like incest. Yeah, it was kind of. Now that I know the nature of the relationship, is kind of strange her introduction oh, because it, yeah. she seemed to not care at all about. Because she's like, we lived together, she lived here, whatever. Yeah. Well, like, she's, she's like dead. defensive. She is offensive, but it came off as completely two different characters <laughs> yeah, later. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I did feel like, yeah, in when we first meet Carrie Washington's character, they um, build her up as like, she's someone who's gone through a lot, but she's like a very strong character. And then in the flashbacks with Brittany Murphy's character, it seems like she's kind of this character who needs a ton of help right. from Brittany Murphy's yeah. character and like has trouble like she's standing like, on her own yeah, two has, feet. She can't stand up for herself. She's very like Yeah, well that's not like uncommon. It's not her fault, mm. but it's like it's yeah. it's a it when seems we see like Carrie Brittany Washington Murphy takes care of her more than she takes care of yeah. Brittany Murphy. Yeah. When she sees mm. when we see Carrie Washington in the flashbacks, she has just been beaten up by this guy Tommy, who mm-hmm. it looks like maybe <clears throat> um like a constant like a pimp or a constant customer of hers yeah. maybe either way carrie washington is reliant upon him for something right uh and Brittany murphy is like taking care of her essentially yeah but um. uh yeah also when carrie washington says i'll take you to the um uh to to your granddaughter basically ashley. yeah ashley they go to the apartment where Ashley has been staying with some like woman who just like took her in while Brittany Murphy was trying to get back on her feet. And then Marsha Gay Harden buys the baby from the woman. Yeah, that was yeah. insane for $200. to me. For $200. She yeah. gives the woman $200, says, can I have this baby? And the woman just says, yeah, well, and gives well, it to her. I, I Okay, so what I thought happened, which is even more insane, <laughs> is like the woman was like, this kind of sucks. Like, I've been raising this kid, and I don't have money for my own kids, and I need money. So Carrie Washington's like, hey, give her some money toward this. So she gives her $200, and then afterwards she's like, you know what? I'll just take the kid also. That's what I thought, too. And there was no... The woman there was no seemed to have no reaction to her taking this yeah. kid. I mean, the woman's probably, like, less for me to deal with. Yeah. Like, go for it, you know? Yeah, which makes sense to me on some level. But you would think that she would at least have, like, a couple more questions about, like... Because I didn't think it was ever explained to her that this was, like, her grandmother. She, oh, it um, wasn't at all. Because Carrie Washington is, like, talking to her in Spanish. No, she tells the girl that she's her grandma. She but then the, the woman who's taking care of her is just like... All right, here, all right. here. <laughs> yeah. She's kind of like the, the um, in the hours, the perennial babysitter or whatever. Uh, oh, Margot Martindale yeah, yeah, yeah. in the hours. <laughs> she, yeah. But, um, no, I just thought... 
And then she's like trying to put her in the car and carry She's like, you need to get a, a booster seat. And she's like, where am I going to find a booster seat? In this neighborhood? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, as if there's not like a. <laughs> no children there. Yeah. <laughs> a store so like weird. that in every neighborhood. So but weird. it's also funny like how Carrie Washington's focused on the booster seat when like this girl was literally living in like. Filth. No bath. Yeah. No yeah. food. Is no... it like um, ever. Did she ever say she doesn't. She isn't with the stepfather anymore. Or no, she does at the end. She say, "I live, I live alone. Like okay. you can come live with me." Because oh, yeah. like she apparently didn't know about the um, about uh, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which so, I kind of don't believe. I want yeah. Carrie Washington to go live with um, Brittany Murphy's mom. She yeah. yeah. child. Okay, yeah. so wait, we're kind of running out of time. So can we oh, talk yeah. about the Brittany Murphy For sure. sequence? Yes. Really, it's quick. pretty so brief. One thing that I love is that the murder is not shown on screen. I liked that a lot. It ends ends like before he attacks her. She's just talking about how she can't wait to see her daughter, which is heartbreaking and shows that you can be like effective emotionally without being violent. There was a quote from the writer director of this who was inspired uh, to write it after serving on the jury of a murder trial. Oh, wow. Uh, which makes sense because this kind of feels like it reads like it could have been different All like testimonies. Different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, <clears throat> she had said, The dead girl is the story of a violent attack on a woman, but I am not interested in adding more images of a man killing a woman to what is a very, very long history of such images. For sure. Which I'm obsessed with. <laughs> so Brittany Murphy, if I'm being honest, like... Okay, so I my only exposure to Brittany Murphy before this had been Uptown Girls, which kind of unsettled me when I was a kid for some reason. I didn't love it, so I was like... Oh, I've only seen her in 8 Mile. Oh. Yeah. So I was like... So before this, I was kind of eh on Brittany Murphy as an actress, but she is fantastic in this. Yeah. She's so charming. She's so endearing. I love when she beats up the old kid. Oh, my God. (laughs) She's, like, working at a shop, and some kid is, like, bullying his sister, and... Brittany Murphy basically knocks him over and, like, pretends that he had hurt her. So the kid gets scolded by his mom. Uh-huh. It's amazing. And then she uh, pepper sprays the guy who beat up Carrie mm-hmm. Washington. It's great. She's I an agent of justice. And then in the next scene, she's just riding on a motorcycle that she borrowed from the motel clerk screaming motherfucker at the top of her lungs. She has a weird relationship with uh, Josh Brolin, randomly. Josh Brolin is, <laughs> Is that like, the guy that she's yeah. dating? It's the guy who wears only, like, a leather vest. He has oh. a Confederate flag tattoo. Just <gasps> want to say I saw that oh when I was God, watching I it. Like, that. on his arm. I lived for the appearance of Wahoo Fish Taco in the background at the mall they were at. <laughs> Didn't I notice that either. that restaurant. I love the scene Shout with the little Western girl. Chains. She comes up to her and just goes, <laughs> guess what? chicken butt and you can tell Brittany Marie's so happy like talking to this little girl and just yeah. thinking about her own daughter that like and, warms like, my heart so much I yeah. love when you're siding a with scene. a character you probably wouldn't side with in real life like mm-hmm. when the, mom, the little girl's mom like brings her back over like come over sit by me what you would do as a parent if yes. like a strange kind of grungy blonde gal was talking to her was, at the, was at eating the mall. her boyfriend own with confetti eating her own hair, hair with a boyfriend <laughs> with a no shirt and a confederate flag going my hair tastes like but strawberry popcorn. I hated the, the little girl's mom because I'm like Ugh. Brittany Murphy's just being cool, and mm. she has her own daughter, so chill the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The mom was nicer than I thought she would be, though, because I was ready for her to be like, That's true. don't talk to my kid. Yeah. Then I love how she was like, too. you know what? I want to get my daughter anything she wants for her birthday, and it has to get there on her birthday, because mm-hmm. I'm notoriously bad at giving late gifts. <laughs> Um, so I feel that that's really I I just love that Brittany Murphy's whole mission was to get to Norwalk in time for her daughter's birthday. 
I was wondering, like, where is she going to stay? What is she going to do? I was thinking that, too. She was just driving there. She's like, I'm going to be there before she wakes up. I'm like, what are you going to do? She's going to figure something out. Wait, so that's where um, Carrie Washington brought... Brought Marsha Gay Harden, yeah. So they, like, traveled together. Yes. Yeah. Well, it makes me sad. Uh, So should we move on to awards? (laughs) Sure. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so here on the Tony Awards, we deliver three awards to each movie, the first of which is Best Prop. So, Laura, what was your best prop? My best prop was Brittany Murphy's terrible hair extensions because I feel like those can really make a character look insanely disheveled, and they did that <laughs> to her very yes. much. <laughs> so good. Jake, what about you? I think my best prop was the... Uh, bonfire of evidence and clothing. <laughs> I just thought it was so insane and when she kept stripping and throwing clothes into it I was like oh my god what's going on wow Gigi what about you? I think my best prop was um, when Brittany Murphy bought that stuffed animal for her daughter because that was kind of like. Mm-hmm. Oh the giant unicorn thing. Yeah the defining moment for me that she's like Oh, yeah. Really wholesome. Uh, My best prop, there's a scene where Rose Byrne is talking to James Franco, and she very dramatically is like, I'm on antidepressant. <laughs> yeah, I also thought that was really I thought that was like really dated. I was yeah. like I was like is that supposed to be weird? So, so my best prop is Rose Burns antidepressant. <laughs> yeah, and cuz there's like a bunch of close-ups too of her taking the antidepressants oh, yeah. in like a way where it's like people, oh, she's fucked up. Yeah, well it's also like I think I feel like I've seen it in other earlier movies too where instead of showing a character take antidepressants on a schedule like as you would they just take it when they're upset yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also like starting a conversation with like I'm on antidepressants instead of using it as like an explanation or something as like being like oh you need to know me yeah. by the way I'm on antidepressants she like it's starts a, a conversation with Franco and is yeah. like she's like you should I'm know on antidepressants. That I'm yeah. really, she's like yeah. that's why I haven't partied in three years mm-hmm. and I also um, am a coroner that's why I haven't <laughs> answered any of your 80 invitations. <laughs> She's like, that's why if we do hook up, it's going to be so hard to come. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, our next award is Best Tony Moment. So, Gigi, what was yours? Um, Well, for me, it was very obviously that scene with the mom when she's like, you know, flips the script and starts mm. yelling at her and puts the knife up against her throat, you know? Yeah. Jake, what about you? Um, I think... Well, that was going to be mine, uh, but there's not that many Tony moments, so I'm just going to go with the, uh, when she's just, like, very quietly saying to the grocery store clerk, she just goes, maybe you should tie me up. (laughs) (laughs) Just, like, out of the blue. And I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. well, I was like, at that point, there was, like, an hour and 20 minutes left of the movie, and I was like, oh, my God, what is this the rest of the movie? (laughs) (laughs) Laura, what about you? I am going to go back to to my original thought earlier in this pod where uh, she's on the phone and she the 911 operator is so confused and is just like, what house are you asking me to go to? And she's like, the one with the dead girl. <laughs> because it also shows like that either this is such a small town that there's only one place that a dead girl has ever been oh my God. <laughs> or Tony Collette is 
so living like under her mother's like rock whatever that like she just has no concept of like what the world is and like that you need to yes say addresses (laughs) maybe she doesn't know her address she Mm. says it's where they found the dead girl and then she hangs up uh my best tony moment was when she didn't slaughter an entire prom and kill her mom because (laughs) it shows that no matter where you come from you still have a choice uh, well, no. we don't know if she was telekinetic or not. All right. Mm. Well, uh, <laughs> anyway, wouldn't that be great if it was just something that they threw in at the very end? <laughs> like, she, like, without her hands, she puts the phone back in the thing. Yeah, and then we don't see her again. <laughs> uh, our next Tony Award is a custom award that we can give to anything for anything. So, Jake, what was yours? Um, so I'm gonna go with uh, the award for creepiest male pickup lines. Um, <laughs> we already talked about you have excellent posture, but I also want to give a shout out to grocery store clerk saying uh, something about, you know, I wish that with dead people you could um, <gasps> cut off uh, mm. part of their eyeball and then s- develop it like film and see what the last thing they saw was. Yeah, you could totally just say, I wish we could see what the last thing people saw but was. You don't was, have to say. It was trees. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I forgot about that. I loved that line. It was trees. Yeah. Because um, how does she know she could have died somewhere else and been brought there? That's like true. Which, she wasn't. Yeah. yeah. Would, I know that I said this earlier, but the tree that she is found under looks exactly like the tree from Lion the tree King. Of life, where where Simba goes after his father dies and Scar shows up and he's like, it was your fault. Oh, it that was, tree? Yeah, it was that oh, exact the, the, tree. the stampede tree, not the Rafiki tree. Not the Rafiki tree. Oh, I thought no, you were talking the about stampede the Rafiki tree. tree. Uh, Gigi, what was your custom award? Well, now I realize that my custom award title is really similar to Best Tony Moment because it's Best Tony Line. <laughs> <laughs> so I chose that one I said earlier about it doesn't really hurt. Not when you're kissing me. And then he kisses the open wound. Oh, my God. (laughs) Best way to catch a preventable disease. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, My customer word was worst sound. Uh, And it goes to James Franco. Not just for everything he's ever said and done, but because there's a specific line where Rose Byrne is talking to him. It's during the antidepressant conversation. And she's like, yeah, it can be hard for me to make friends. And he just does this weird thing with his <gasps> mouth where he's just like, oh. <laughs> in that. bed or that whatever. Was, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, when, it's when she's like, uh, when you're in bed all the time because she's yeah. sad. And then he yeah. goes, in bed. <laughs> like, yes, I remember sex. that. But what Add I especially hated about it is that like, he made this face where, like, it was obvious that he was thinking that joke, and then a lot of time passed before he actually made yeah. the joke, and then that's he still true. laughed at it as if it was like to be a. Honest, that's a very me move. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, what was your customer word? So originally, mine was a movie where like every man in the universe is a creep, but I feel like it's similar to what you were saying. So. I want to say, and let me know if this was just the YouTube quality or if this was real, but I would say um, movie filters that know that you know you're in like the early O's 90s. Yeah. Like it all had those like 
Fight Club light colors <laughs> where everything is like kind of a weird green and like desaturated. Yeah. Yeah. And very desaturated. Yeah, and it's like you could tell that they were just like, this is going to be really atmospheric. <laughs> and at the time, it probably was. But looking back, you're just like, this is like, we're leaning into it too hard. <laughs> there was a. Uh, it, it had the same quality as like those bootlegs from the early 2000s that were just a guy bringing one of those huge video cameras to the back row of a movie mm, theater. Right. And like somebody would get up and block the screen. <laughs> in like every single one of them and yeah. then my grandpa would like buy them on the streets of new york <laughs> i uh, just thought of another custom award yes. go for it biggest shocker for mm. me was when the guy tony collette was hugging up with that cashier grocery store yeah. clerk guy was like take off the gloves and i'm like she was gloves. wearing gloves. Yes. <laughs> I'm like why the Sorry, fuck? I screamed you know, so loud. <laughs> like why the fuck no, is she wearing I, gloves? I, I totally mentioned Mickey Mouse ass gloves. Yeah. I thought she was going to yeah. start like She's like ha, ha, ha. performing a dance. Yeah, I her. hadn't noticed. You would think that if that was the line, we would have seen that she was gloves wearing gloves before. before. I was so confused. I was like, when did she put gloves on? Same. <laughs> and Are why? Are these sexy gloves? What's the deal? <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, is she going to kill him? Are these, like, evidence-hiding gloves? He's like, like, take off the bowler hat, wipe off your red lipstick. He's like, I guess. I kind of want to see the rest of the movie, just those two characters, though. Yeah, Mm -hmm. 100%. Okay, so now we're going to move on uh, to a segment, and we call it, Is It Better Than Little Miss Sunshine with Jake? Jake, your favorite movie that we've covered on this podcast so far has been Little Miss Sunshine. How does this measure up? I don't like it as much, but... It's not a bad movie. Cool. But do you like it more? I don't like it more than Muriel's Wedding. Uh, but Which is your standard. Which is my favorite. Mm. But um, I, I, I really, really liked it. I adored it, I would say. So is it better than uh, The Dead Girl? <laughs> Moving forward <laughs> to Ask Sam. Uh, now we move on to promos. Uh, we're going to link to everybody's Twitters and Instagrams and stuff in the show notes so you don't have to say them out loud. Does anybody have anything to promote? Plugs. I make patches. <gasps> yes. Ooh, I some patches from Gigi on Instagram. I take custom orders. <laughs> Do you want us to put your Gigi patches Instagram? At yeah. Gigi underscore patches. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, they're really cool. I have a I only have like three or four of them. I have one on the back of my jacket that says tight. Tight. I paid them to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. You paid us in patches. My sketch group, Soul Crush, just started releasing more sketches online. And our YouTube is like youtube.com slash Soul Crush Comedy. And we're at Soul Crush Comedy on Facebook. Cool. Yeah. cool. Good name. Thank All you. Right. Uh, that is the end of our podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Please go on YouTube and watch The Dead Girl because mm-hmm. I really yeah. liked it. I wonder um, if Tony will ever be in a non-scary movie. Again. <laughs> because three in a row, it's wearing on me. Bye. 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 Bye.